Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity, and we are so thankful that you're joining us today. And we did our pre-recorded interview with Jay Ritchie, kind of talking about all things cryptocurrency. It's a pretty long one, so we're not going to hang on this opening too long. But before we roll, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yes, just prayer requests for our family. It seems one by one, everyone's getting sick. So Corona. I think I may have had it, but I don't know. I feel like I had like a little bit of body aches, but it was only like a couple hours for one day. And I'm like, I don't know if that was it. I'm hoping that was it. And I just like, I don't know, I have a really great immune system and it didn't get worse. But I, if it wasn't it, then I'm the last one to get it. And, and it's my birthday. So I don't want to get sick. <laughs> birthday weekend don't want to get sick so yeah just pray it's all just over with and yeah that'd be great if it kind of just skipped over me or if I had it I don't know I hope I did and I don't have to worry about it again so yeah just pray for our family yeah pray for us please um looks like the worst of it's past but um and it's Nikki's birthday I won't tell you how old she is but um, it is her birthday. <laughs> and um, just before we get out of here, I just want to mention that this Tuesday um, on our social media links, um, we'll be linking a interview that we did with uh, Sage from Outside the Box. And uh, we shared our testimonies. Uh, this Tuesday will be mine. And then next week, Nikki will be sharing her testimony. So you can find those. It was a really good conversation with Sage, mm-hmm. um, a good godly woman. So it was a good time there. And then also next week, we'll be touching on sort of racializing Jesus. That's mm-hmm. going to kind of be the topic that we look to talk about next week when we get back into just more of our standard show flow. 
So that's all we got. Oh, and also our sermon recommendation will be at the end of the episode. So you can go find that. It's from a, a great friend of ours, their church in a little mountain town called Chelan, Washington. A great sermon was preached there. So we'll have that linked. You can find that in the show notes as well. With that being said, let's go ahead and get to the interview. Yeah. So as promised, uh, if you've been telling you guys, we got uh, our crypto, I think he said he's not an expert, he's crypto knowledgeable. That's the way we like to uh, give a little buffer there. But um, yeah, so JJ, right? So please feel free to introduce yourself. Tell us, you know, who you are and um, why you're the person to be talking to us about crypto a little bit. Sure. Uh, and yeah, I'm uh, known as Jay Ritchie. That's my full name. But people call me JJ on my, my Facebook and, and uh, it's JJ Ritchie. But um I guess you could call me anything except for late for lunch, right? <laughs> or late for dinner. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm not a, um, I'm not, I'm not a Bitcoin expert, and I'm not the best, uh, you know, explainer of, of Bitcoin. I'm more of a Bitcoin researcher. I'm a Bitcoin investor, and um, I have been researching this for for you know a couple years at least. Um, and so I'm still learning as well, but from what I do know, I'd like to share that with you and your audience. And I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, just before we dive into the meat of the topic, just, uh, a little bit about you personally. Um, I know you're uh, a brother in Christ, right? Uh, if you want to tell us a little about your background, are you married? You have kids? Um, you know, this is a Christian show, if you will. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, so I am not married yet at the time of this recording, and so uh, I'm, you know, not. I don't have any children, and I got. I became a, a Christian uh, at eight years old when I was very young. I was raised in a religious home, but you know, we knew of Jesus. We just didn't know him personally. You know, like there's a lot of people who believe in God out there, and that's a great start, right? But it's not enough. Because, you know, God is our creator and he wants us to know him. He created everyone to know him personally. And so I grew up in a religious home where we knew of God and, and did religious things every Sunday. But, you know, I didn't know Jesus from a, from a, a doorknob, you know. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, I had some evangelists come to my neighborhood when I was eight years old and they were uh, inviting me to uh, a neighborhood Bible time rally. It was like a vacation Bible school rally. And um, that's where I went for five days. It was Monday through Friday. And I, you know, I got free ice cream and, and played games and some of my neighborhood buddies came with me too. And we heard about Jesus. We heard, we heard the gospel. We heard, you know, about how to enter into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And by Thursday, it made, it started making sense. And that's when I believe that I responded to the Holy Spirit's call to uh, become adopted as, as God's child. You know, because everybody's created by God. We all have the same creator, but it's only until someone is adopted by God through mm -hmm. accepting Christ as their savior 
can they really know God as, as uh, a child of his? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And I think that that's not, I mean, it's probably not that uncommon to, you know, grow up in a family where God is something, you know, or you maybe, you know, even go to church and stuff, but it's not until later in life where, you know, you actually make that faith your own and you kind of take that next step of being a child of God and accepting, you know, Jesus, not just as somebody that you know about, but now he's, you know, your Lord and yeah. Savior. I've never heard anybody have a testimony and we would call that vacation Bible school, probably what you explained like the Monday through Friday event where you invite. Yeah. But I've never heard anybody say, oh, it happened at vacation Bible school. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good because <laughs> we have young kids who go to vacation Bible school. So it's good to know that <laughs> it's still working in some people's lives. Uh, that's good to know. And I didn't know, like, I mean, I don't remember saying, you know, uh, like a, a special prayer or phrase, you know, that, that some people do today. Uh, but I know that that day, I was changed because I, I had a hunger in my spirit for God that I'd never had before. And I started, mm-hmm. you know, uh, asking the right questions and seeking and being open to Bible studies and stuff like that. And, it, you know, the scripture says um, in, in the book of Peter uh, that, you know, uh, it's, it talks about, uh, you know, be uh, like newborn babes who desire the sincere milk of the word. So, you know, I was desiring the word of God because I had new life in me mm-hmm. from, from, from the Holy spirit. So, and I know, mm-hmm. I know that was when, you know, I was born again. I was, you know, uh, I was in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't, I we're not that. necessarily, uh, I don't know when the sinner's prayer thing became like the standard by which all be are saved by. Uh, right. But yeah, we're, you know, but your that, testimony, that's a good of testimony. You being being hungry for mm-hmm. the things of God in the Word that's 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 evidence. More yeah, that's than the real. I mean, that's just what saying a prayer. John right. would tell you, right? I mean, that's the evidence to know you're saved. So yeah, exactly. that's awesome. Because <laughs> someone, I mean, someone may express it with with that type of prayer. We know that there's a you know the in the scripture there's a there's two people. Um, you know that Jesus talked about. You know, one goes in there and he's religious and he's a uh, uh, you know, a publican, and he's got all these things that he's done, all these you know good things and religious things he's done. But then the other one is just uh, you know a publican uh, I, 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 is just a sinner. I'm sorry, and he doesn't even look up to to the sky. He just has his head down, and he says something like, "You know, have mercy upon me, God." You know, and mm-hmm. so someone can express it verbally, however they're led to. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like the scripted thing. Like, you know, just follow yeah. this and read this. But, but if someone expresses their faith that way, and then a change happens and a hunger begins, then it's mm-hmm. good evidence that they are uh, truly born again. I think being hungry is like the first indicator. Like when a baby's born, what do you do immediately? You feed it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So I would All say right, well, if anybody's listening to this and they, they know god uh maybe intellectually but they don't really have a hunger for him you know beyond just maybe sunday to sunday mm-hmm. you know i would say you know i would say if at all you have any curiosity don't let that curiosity die that is no. that could be the drawing of the holy spirit mm-hmm. that god says come closer come closer so don't ignore that and we'll have something you know a little bit more detailed to share with you uh before we wrap up 
this uh, talk today. Absolutely. No, we appreciate that. But you had the first question, um, if you want to dive into the topic of the day. Yeah, well, the first question, of course, is what is Bitcoin and blockchain? And I mean, just somebody who just hears it and they're just going to say, what is it? Because uh, people have heard of it and they're afraid to ask because they don't want to look stupid. Like, oh, everybody else has already know, knows what it is. And I'm right. asking the basic question. <laughs> so Bitcoin... And, you know, what is it? So first I'll talk about Bitcoin and then I'll talk about blockchain because they're not exactly the same thing. They, they're connected and they're related, but they're not the same thing. So right. let's start with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is the first and, and most widely uh, recognized cryptocurrency. And it's called a cryptocurrency because it's a private currency. And that's what crypto means. It's private. Uh, it's... it's uh, it was uh, created in 2008 by a computer programmer named Satoshi Nakamoto. And some people believe that that was a pseudonym for a, one person or a group of people mm -hmm. that, that uh, invented this software program. So it was created to be virtual money in 2008, but it wasn't launched until the following year, 2009. And, um, it enables what it does now, it enables person A to send money to person B with no middleman, no external hindrance, no external intervention. So people, it's peer-to-peer, -peer, it's decentralized, it's private, it's secure. You, you know, you can send money electronically to anyone else around the world. And it's almost instantaneous. I mean, um, it's, it's a lot faster than a bank. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you, you, most people will, will receive their, like if you were to send me Bitcoin tonight, uh, it would, I would probably get it within 15 minutes. So, uh, and yeah, so I mean, like you, a normal and, and wire transfer matter. is going to take you like three to five days, right? For a right. normal wire transfer. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're in a, so if I was a missionary in another country and I needed some funds, you could send it within minutes. Yeah. No, so that's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, um, it's, it's, so it's decentralized, meaning that, you know, there's thousands of computers all around the world that run the Bitcoin network and it can never be shut down or controlled by any one or any state. Uh, and so, you know, when people think of Bitcoin, it's, it's hard to kind of grasp what it actually is because people are so used to using uh, cold, hard cash, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the, the paper money, the fiat as, as it's called. And these are the dollars, these are the yen, the you know the the euros the pound that people hold in their wallet or their purse uh well if you still use cash it is i mean yeah, most people in my generation don't <laughs> <laughs> but my but if, if my mother was still alive she'd be using cash um because mm. her generation grew up on that and so there are still a lot of people in the world who still are comfortable using cash yeah. um and so that would that's what's considered uh, paper money or hard currency it's in the it's it's uh 
typically functions as a country's primary medium of exchange. And it's in the, in the visible uh, forms of coins and, and paper as you would find it in a, in a regular bank. And, uh, but then there's, then there's actual money because we got, you know, currency is one thing. That's what the governments of the world issue. Um, but then there's money or commodity money. And that uh, is in the form of like seashells or stones or precious metals or, or physical items that people used to barter with before the Industrial, Re the Industrial Revolution. They would trade with, with things they wanted, you know? And so, um, and, and, and commodity money serves as, a, as a, it can serve as a medium of exchange for goods, services, or payments of debts. Unlike government decree or uh, issued fiat or paper money or, or, or paper currency, um, commodities, commodities like gold and silver have an intrinsic value or they have a use value. And so I would say I would say that Bitcoin, though not tangible and not physical, it still can be considered money because it is very it, it has very useful technology behind it, which is what the blockchain is. And so mm -hmm. I will now, you know, talk about what blockchain is that underlies uh, Bitcoin. So blockchain is a public transaction ledger on which the entire Bitcoin network relies. Uh, it's a database that stores information regarding all confirmed Bitcoin transactions. So think about the type of ledger that a bank has. You know, it has, because a bank is like a middleman. So it, it'll play, it, it'll, it'll play middleman. So it'll, it'll keep that ledger between point A and point B or person A and person B. And it'll, you know, it'll have that uh, record. You know, if you go to if you go if you go to your online banking and you look at your your debits and your credits, you're looking at a ledger. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin um, uh, blockchain that that is under underlying the uh, the Bitcoin network blockchain is that type of ledger, that type of um, the internet record of Point A sending something to point B. The difference is it's completely private. So you don't know who point A, uh, you don't know who person A is or where they live. You don't know who person B is or where they live. You just know value was exchanged between them. So it's mm -hmm. completely you know, private. And it's not anonymous. Like person A will know who person B is when they're sending them the money. It just means the the ledger itself is anonymous. So if someone were to look in right. the ledger, they don't know that I sent money to Nikki. They just know money went somewhere, and they can yeah. verify that. But they, you know, only me and her know exactly who we were kind of a thing. Exactly. Yep. And so, so that's essentially what the blockchain is. It's just that ledger, that internet ledger, that that stores information regarding confirmed Bitcoin transactions uh, uh but just think of it's a just think of like your 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 um your bank ledger or even like just like a notebook of your you write down the transactions you know and and that's what blockchain is it's a internet virtual 
database that underlies the Bitcoin network. And uh, if you want to find out more information, or in fact, if you want to read Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper, where he goes into detail about what he created and what he wanted it to do for humanity, you can, um, read, it, you can read the white paper on Bitcoin.org. Or you can go to CoinMarketCap.com, uh, CoinDesk.com, or Blockchain101.org to find out more about how the blockchain works. Um, and also, for those that don't like to read too much, you know, the younger generation, they want videos and stuff. Well, there's a YouTube video um, about 30 minutes long, 30, 40 minutes long. It's called Decrypting Bitcoin. The blockchain technology explained. So that'll have all types of graphs and fun little uh, animations to kind of get, you know, people that are more visual learners to understand what the blockchain is. Yeah, so that's, and, uh, that's that in, in a nutshell. <laughs> we'll have all these links that he has for you guys. Uh, we'll have those in the show notes. You can go check the stuff out yourself. Um, find out, do a little more digging if you want to. Um, but I do want to make one point because Nikki asked me about this just the other day. We were, I think, preparing for this. But, you know, you had mentioned that this uh, this blockchain is kept on thousands and thousands of computers around the world. And, um, you know, I guess it's something that she brought up, like maybe the fear, like, well, what if I lose my electricity? What happens if my computer dies? And that's not a like each person owns like the whole blockchain. So like if your computer dies and goes off, it doesn't do anything. You just fix your computer, turn it back on, and now you're back to helping manage. So that's why, you know, it's safe because, yeah, there's thousands, probably tens of thousands at this point working and maintaining this blockchain. So if one or two computers die off, electricity goes out in your city, it doesn't affect the blockchain at all. It just keeps chugging along. And then whenever you get back in, you just plug back into the blockchain. So it's safe and it's not going anywhere. That's right. Yep. So Understand that's why it's like it. you'll be able to get get at your 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 crypto funds anywhere in the world. Um, it doesn't matter if you're if you're. I mean, if you had a God forbid, if you had an earthquake, you lost all your computers, but you had your um, you had your private keys, which we'll get into a little bit, uh, and you have your 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 password, your passcode, in order to log into another computer in a, in a, in a safer location. You'll have access to your crypto. It wouldn't. Ha it would not have been affected. So would it be something that someone could hack? Like if it's just a code, like well, you, I mean, there pin. is. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if someone, I mean, obviously, if you give someone your 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 passcode, your private keys, then they'll have them. But as long as you have them, in a, in a, you know, whether in your mind, in your memory or if you have them in a safe place, because it's just a set of, you know, it's like a, a, new, a mnemonic code in, in, um, that you keep, you're the owner of it. And so mm -hmm. as long as that doesn't fall into the hands of someone else, no one's gonna hack it because they have to have that uh, mnemonic code that is only yeah. unique to you. It's only unique to you. Do you so don't choose it? Like who no. gives it to you? It's There's random. No it's a random. So when someone signs up for Bitcoin and they start getting into 
to the sign-up process, which we can talk about in a few minutes, but just to suffice it, they'll they'll be given a unique, you know, kind of uh, new uh, mnemonic code or password, for lack of a better word, or key. You know, they'll be given that unique set of words that cannot be duplicated or someone else can't get a copy of it. It's it's uniquely yours. And so as long as you have that and they don't, whoever would try to hack into your Bitcoin, they can't hack it because they need that unique passcode that was generated like randomly. Okay. Yeah, and it's not stored or and that's the blessing and the curse it's of not Bitcoin. Stored. Okay. Because he talked about decentralized, you don't have a middleman. So this is the blessing and the curse. If you don't want the banks, the government seeing all the transactions that you have, well, they're removed from it. So now that burden of you maintaining your own documents yeah. is placed on you. And again, it's a blessing that no one can see it, but it's a curse because if you lose that key, there's no ask. one there to recover it for you. And that's where you hear those yeah. stories of people digging through garbage dumps because they left their wallet in a garbage dump with, you know, Bitcoin on it and stuff. So it puts a lot of responsibility back on you as I don't know. That is like the hard part for me because if you lose your debit card or you forget your pin or anything, there's somebody there to help you and just to fix it for you. No big deal. So Mm. that, I mean, but the wise thing, but, 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 but but look at, think of it like this. If you had, say, say you had some gold and silver, in only one location and then you had a you had an earthquake and that safe that you had all your your precious metals in was swallowed up in the earth by the earthquake now that's gone but if you said you know what i know there's a chance that we could have an earthquake or you know in some natural disaster where my house is completely condemned or a fire and i can't get to my safe why not put only some of my precious metals in that one safe and put some others and at another location. So you, you heighten the chance that you, you, you won't lose it all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The same thing goes with Bitcoin. Who says you have to have it all in one place? You can have several different wallets that you store your, your Bitcoin in. So if one wallet is compromised because you lost your passcode to that one wallet, well, maybe you still have the passcodes to the rest of the wallets. And that doesn't mean that you can't take your passcode and write it down in six different locations, keep it on your phone, paint it on your walls. You can store a copy of it in a bank safe uh, security deposit box. You can put it everywhere. So you have a thousand copies. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want to be an idiot and go, I'm just going to memorize that. And then you forget it. So you can (laughs) take a, a million copies of this key, but yeah, ultimately it's your responsibility. So that's, The blessing too, because again, as we see governments that become more authoritarian, they don't have access to your money now um, because yeah. only you do. So it is a good thing you know, just because of what's going on in the world. And yeah, so that kind of leads us into our second question, though, that we had for you, which is all right, like Bitcoin's cool, but how do you actually buy it? You know, how do you get involved in this Bitcoin? Because you can't just go to a bank and buy it, right? <laughs> so. Not yet, not yet, but you know, it pretty soon you, 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 you will be able to um, because more banks are coming online and I'll talk about that in a mm-hmm. few, but um, 
it's think of it because I, I when you explain a new concept to your audience, it's always important to try to use a point of reference they're already used to. And so you 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 meet them where they are, point of mm-hmm. reference that they're used to, and then you you bring them to where you want them to be um, during the transition. So I would I would tell people that are used to online banking today. It's signing up and buying Bitcoin is no more difficult than signing up for an online bank account. Because when you sign up for an online bank account, uh, you have to have a deposit. You have to deposit funds into the bank. And then at the bank, you can exchange those dollars or those euros for another foreign um, currency out there you know through through the bank you know so think of it like that so there's places like binance.us coinbase.com gemini.com kraken.com um and if i went too fast you can always listen to this uh you know talk again or you can go to to the website where he'll have the uh links but these are some of the these are some of the places that you would go to to buy Bitcoin because what you have to do is you have to go to the, these are what you call exchanges. Coinbase, Gemini, these are exchanges because you have to in order to buy Bitcoin you have to exchange fiat or paper money for Bitcoin. So you take, you know, someone in Europe will take some euros, okay, they'll go to one of these exchanges they'll connect their bank account in Europe that has their their paper money, the fiat currency, and then they'll link that bank account to the exchange. And then from, from the bank account, they'll wire in funds to that exchange, and then they will purchase whatever amount of money that they wired in, they'll purchase that in Bitcoin or in Ethereum or in some other cryptocurrency out there. And, uh, you know, once you go to the exchange, um, whatever one you want to go to, you'll install a Bitcoin wallet on your computer or your mobile phone, because most of these exchanges have have mobile apps to them. And it will generate your first Bitcoin address that you can create uh, or you can create more than one address, and you can dis- you can tell your address, you can disclose your address or addresses to your friends so that they can pay you or vice versa. And so, and and if someone you know wants to sign up for a Bitcoin uh, exchange, uh, a Bitcoin wallet, they can personally email me, and I will help them. Um, actually, I can help them get. Ten dollars in free Bitcoin to get them started, and it's it, it's uh, completely legit. It's through one of these U.S.-based um, crypto exchanges like Coinbase or Gemini. They can just send me an email, and I'll send them a special referral link, link to that exchange, and they will click on that link. It'll take them to Coinbase, for example, and then they will create an account on Coinbase like they would create an account for an online bank and then they will wire in their funds and then when they wire in their funds and it's confirmed 
they will get $10 in free Bitcoin from Coinbase.com or from, you know, whatever other exchange is offering this. I don't know many other exchanges that are offering that, but I do know that a couple of them are. Coinbase is one of them. So they can email me for that link at JJ, as in like John, John, the letters JJ, mailbox 316 at protonmail.com. Um, and also like if they go to coinmarketcap.com forward slash rankings forward slash exchanges, this, we this website will rank hundreds of existing Bitcoin exchanges from the, from the best to the worst. So people can kind of get a feeling of, you know, which exchange should I be using? Because there's a lot of exchanges out there, just like there's a lot of banks out there, but not all banks are created equal. Some banks are very terrible, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and some exchanges are terrible as well. So you want to make sure that, you know, the exchange you're, you're using is going to accept linkage to your bank because you don't want to exchange that, you know, only can link to some bank you never heard of. You know, you want a mainline U.S.-based Bitcoin exchange that will link to mainline banks like, you know, um, Citizens Bank or Bank of America and so forth, you know, stuff like that. You want a mainline uh, crypto exchange. So, uh, so Coinbase is one. Um, yeah. And I would say for anybody that's just new, just trying to jump it in here. Like if you're new and this all seems like deep and scary, like Coinbase is probably where you should start. It's probably the most user-friendly because yes. um, even if you start going down the rabbit hole with some of these uh, exchanges and stuff, not all of them accept us currency to buy coins. So some of them, you know, you might have to have had another Bitcoin wallet to transfer crypto in so it can become it's exactly. not hard but it's just something you're not used to so uh exactly. coinbase is probably the most beginner friendly place to get started and like you said i mean an exchange is a bank basically in that same sense if you want to get us money you go to a bank you want to get crypto money you go to an exchange it's just yep. they're sort of the same thing uh, but coinbase is a great place to start i think exactly and so and i would suggest that um, that once you buy Bitcoin or, or um, and I would suggest starting with Bitcoin because obviously there's other cryptocurrencies out there, but Bitcoin is, is the most famous because it's the original. Um, you should be storing some of your Bitcoin offline or, or I would say in a, uh, a USB or flash drive type wallet device. Because in the event that, you know, you uh, want to diversify and you don't say you, you don't want to put all your, your crypto on one exchange, you want to keep some offline, then you can do that as well. And these are just options because some people feel like if, well, if I don't have a variety of options, I, I feel like I'm backed in a corner. But with Bitcoin, there's, there, there are options. There are plenty of options. And I like uh, a device, uh, a USB flash drive, offline wallet uh, device called Ledger. Ledger or Trezor, those are two of the most popular 
offline, uh, you know, like USB, USB sticks that you can store your information on this little flash drive device. And it's considered offline, whereas you could also store some of it online at, in exchange. Because some of these exchanges like Coinbase, they offer you a wallet to use, but that wallet is totally online. So, you know, um, it is a possibility that sometimes for maintenance purposes, just like websites could go down for a couple of hours for maintenance reasons, but maybe during those two hours, you need to access your, your Bitcoin. Well, what do you do? Well, in that event, you could still transfer your your crypto or some of it using your offline wallet because mm -hmm. the website's down, but you still have access to some of it. And so that that's why I think this gives people options so that all of their crypto is not in one location. And so it can also give you some of that security too. If you're talking about, is it safe? Can people hack it? Well, you can, you know, obviously anything online in some sense is always hackable, right? There's, you know, there's always some sense. So you can, get a hardware wallet to where now it's not online. No one can access it unless they get the physical wallet. Right. They even have like desktop type wallets or on your phone where it's separate from the exchange. You know, it's not as safe because it's still on a computer connected to a network, but it's at least one more step removed. So you could have an online wallet, a desktop wallet, a hard hardware wallet. So now you've got all these extra layers. So there's a lot of options added layers if you want to be even more protective of it and that sort of stuff. So yeah, definitely there's a lot of options for keeping your, your money, your hard earned money safe in that environment. Yeah. yeah so uh, the next thing that I wanted, because, you know, obviously people, you know, they start hearing about Bitcoin and uh, the prices are shooting through the roof. It just hit, I think $69,000 a coin recently it was this all time high. And when it's riding those uh, highs, people are all in, they want to get invested. But in the last couple months, the whole crypto market's kind of fallen through the floor. So should people still invest now when the prices are dipping or should they be scared that, you know, the, the Bitcoin crypto run is over and it's all going to zero and it's going to end up on the dustbin of history somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, the price of Bitcoin and, and all crypto is dropping. So, the question is, should we all consider still buying Bitcoin? Should we, should we be scared? Is this the end of Bitcoin and crypto? Um, and I would say that, and, you know, and I want to kind of park it here for a few minutes to kind of make the case for why we shouldn't be alarmed. And uh, because headlines are lagging indicators. So if you see a headline, oh, you know, uh, crypto world is crashing. Well, usually these headlines are late to the game, you know, because a new direction in the crypto world is already taking place, but, you know, they are just looking at, oh, well, you know, there was a, there was a, a crackdown in China. So that, that means that, you know, Bitcoin all around the world is, is going to be over. You know, it, uh, it, there's a quote, um, I don't know who said it, but there's no wisdom in crowds. There's no wisdom in crowds. So when the whole world is saying, stay away from Bitcoin, it's crashing, uh, 
you know, as believers, we know the, the crowds are not always right. You know, look at Noah. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he was in the minority, but he was right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so we don't need to be afraid of, 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 of what the noise is out there. I mean, and even like one of the most successful uh, investors in the world in history, Warren Buffett, he said, quote, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's good advice. And he's, he's lived through a lot of downturns in the market, yeah. ups and downs, but he's, he's still a millionaire as far as I, as far as I know. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so he, he's a contrarian when it comes to investing. And I think that we need to be as well. Mm. Um, and so in fact, on cap market, cap.com cap market cap.com it has a fear in greed index at the top of the page hmm. and it's a good, good <laughs> it's a good barometer of the sentiment out there and it's it's a good barometer to know hey is this a good time to buy more or is this a time to hold on to to what i have not sell but hold on and wait for a better buying opportunity Mm-hmm. Because because there's a right now as we record this, there is a lot of fear out there. There's fear and panic selling. Mm. In in the index, I I saw the index recently. The index is from like zero to a hundred, right? Red, red, yellow, and green. Green is where there's a lot of greed out there, and that's when a market correction in, in Bitcoin is about to happen. But when it's when it's towards the 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 opposite end when it's when it's in the red when it in the, in the red means on that on that index it means there's a lot of fear and that's a great time to buy low mm-hmm. because in, in investing you don't want to like for example in, for for Amazon right people that first found out about Amazon going public I'm sure those investors are congratulating themselves that they didn't wait 10 years in the future to invest when they had the chance to buy Amazon right. low because now they're reaping the rewards. And all throughout the the history of, of Apple or Amazon, yeah, these co- these companies have had downturns, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they're still here, you know, and the investors are still uh, profitable. And as, as Christians, you know, um, Jesus even gave us a parable, which I think most people may not um, really appreciate. It's the parable in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, where Jesus talks about two houses. And they both have two different foundations. One house is built on sand. And when the storms come and beat against that house, because the foundation is weak, it crumbles, but then the other house that he mentions is built on rock. And because that foundation is strong, those same storms that beat against that house built on sand beats against the house built on rock, but it withstands that storm. And I think that, you know, when we look at Whole Foods, at one point, most people don't know this about Whole Foods, but at one point, the, 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 the uh, stock price for Whole Foods went down 90%. Wow. 
that's a lot. And, and, you know, and, but in it, if, if investors who were not savvy, they would have jumped ship when it went down 90%, but then it roared back for those that stayed in whole foods, they saw their patience pay off. Mm -hmm. And so now whole foods is, is back and it's, it's, um, because Whole Foods is one of those companies that offers a niche and takes care of a niche uh, market that a lot of grocers don't. And so they are providing a service that is unique. And because of that, they can weather the storms and their work, they, they will they found their fundamentals are sound, just like the house built on rock had a fundamental, had a foundation that was strong. Their fundamentals were, were sound. And so, you know, Tesla can go down, Amazon can go down, Apple can go down, but their foundations are sound. And so they stick around. And so I'm still bullish for Bitcoin over the long term because I look at what I own, I don't look at the headlines. I realized the foundation for Bitcoin is sound. So crypto in general and Bitcoin in specific are, are here to stay. And they're becoming more and more mainstream. Uh, it's, it's becoming a store of value in a, in, a, in a protection against inflation every day. And uh, it's also characterized as a tradable asset. And it's becoming a world medium it's becoming a world medium of exchange. And I would, so I would say that if people don't put a, put a portion of their wealth and savings in Bitcoin now, in the very near future, they will have realized that that was a mistake, a very costly mistake. Just remember that, um, you know, those that stuck with Apple, before it became the world's first trillion dollar company, those that stuck with Apple when it, when it had some bad times and now that it's, in, it's a trillion dollar company, those people, they know that their patience was, was worth it. And so that's how I look at Bitcoin. Yes, in the short term, there's going to be some volatility and there's a reason, there's some reasons for that. But think about this, even in the volatile times, um, you can earn 4% upwards to 19% interest on your Bitcoin and on your crypto uh, through a secure and safe process called staking. And I won't get into what staking is, but some of the websites that I already mentioned and that will be linked on a show notes page will, will help you to learn what staking is. But essentially, it's just a way to earn interest on your Bitcoin savings, on your crypto savings. And I don't know about you, but no bank <laughs> is offering 4% or 19% to hold the dollar. No. So even in, even in a bad uh, downturn right now with, with crypto, you're still earning a better percentage than you would keeping all your, your, your savings in the dollar in a bank. Yeah, because no, actually absolutely. inflation because of the because of how bad inflation is and it's it's projected to get worse because of inflation people that only stick their money in a bank they're actually being robbed of the value because inflation 
because the 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 whatever interest rate you're getting in a bank that is decimated by inflation. Yeah. Mm. No, and uh, just to to put my own idiocy on blast here, um, you know, Nikki knows this story well. I was, you know, when I first started hearing about Bitcoin, it was probably 2016. I think you know we were living in Alaska at the time, and I had a a buddy that we were kind of looking into it, figuring it out together. And Bitcoin was $700 a coin. And we were debating, oh, should we buy some? And we're like, no, I mean, how much higher can it possibly go? And we're like, this is stupid. We're not throwing our money away. And then lo and behold, less than a year and a half later, it was $20,000 a coin. And um, so we certainly missed a boat there. But, you know, I did this too with Ethereum. I owned an entire Ethereum coin that I'd bought at $800. And then it was starting to tank and falling down. And I was like, oh, I'm just getting what I can. You know, Ethereum was up to $4,500 a coin this year. So the market can be volatile, but so can the stock market. And like you had talked about the foolish people that, you know, out of fear kind of sold and lost everything in 2008, they lost a fortune, but the smart people, the Warren Buffetts, they bought those dips all the way down to the bottom and they rode those highs all the way back up to where they are now. And the history of Bitcoin is, I mean, you can see it's almost like clockwork. It's peaks and valleys. Um, and the longer it's around, the more stable and the smaller those swings are going to be. I mean, it's still so new that the swings are huge, but eventually they're going to get relatively stable like the stock market is, um, mm. I would imagine. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you should let it scare you. Now, talking about, you know, as far as firm foundations and Sandy foundations, you know, in the world of crypto, I would say Bitcoin. Yeah, you, if you want to find a firm foundation, if you're a little riskier and you got some uh, cash you don't mind burning, then yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole of, you know, the thousands and thousands of other ones that are a little more sandy <laughs> in their footing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're certainly out there, but yeah, Bitcoin is that firm foundation that, you know, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So how do you Into know which to invest in? Like you said, Ethereum and all the other, I don't even know what you call them. Like, how do you know what is a smart one to begin investing in? I would, yeah, I would um, say that, you know, crypto exchanges like Coinbase would be a good place to start because actually there are two to three minute animated explainer videos that talk through what some of these other coins are, these other cryptocurrencies are. For example, there's something that's called Litecoin. There's something that's called Ethereum. And so if you go to... You know, and even YouTube would have like some videos, I'm sure, of what are these other cryptocurrencies and um, a good way to know, like, if they're stable to even invest in is you would, if, you, if they're not found on some of the like mainline U.S.-based crypto exchanges like Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken, if you can't find some of these, what they call altcoins, <laughs> uh, then chances are you know, they probably were just a fad, you know, because there are some, you know, there are some um, coins that are, you know, worthless, but normally like a, a, a reputable U.S.-based exchange is not going to keep them on that exchange right. because they don't want customers to be burned because it, then if customers have a, a bad experience on, on that exchange, guess what? Those customers pull their money out of that exchange. That exchange loses customers. And so that they don't want that. So, so I would say like, you know, just, you know, um, and there's a lot of them, but I would just, you know, just kind of look at a few of them and um, maybe diversify 
but don't go crazy about it because like you don't have to be invested in all of the um the cryptocurrencies out there but maybe you know learning one or two or three more would would be a good way to diversify you know because yeah. bitcoin is the main and the most popular but it's not the only one because it's it's the oldest so therefore the the technology underlying bitcoin has been improved in the sense that you know some cryptocurrencies have transactions that are much faster than bitcoins because there was a way there's been developers that looked at satoshi's white paper which is open source and anybody can copy it and they said oh we like this but we can speed up the transaction time with our coin so they'll, they'll copy like almost all of what bitcoin is but then tweak the the transaction speed time that right. perhaps maybe satoshi overlooked because nobody knows everything <laughs> i mean he, he he was a brilliant guy but he wasn't perfect right so but i just want to kind of hit on some a little bit more uh, of the bad news with bitcoin and then kind of sandwich it in because i i gave some good news now i want to give i want to give some reality because i think in the short term it's going to get a lot more volatile and i think that there's more downside to bitcoin in the near future but just like a boomerang it will snap back because mm -hmm. the fundamentals are sound um so it, why should people care about Bitcoin? Again, ignorance of Bitcoin will cost you now and it will cost you in the future. Um, and, um, you know, Bitcoin is still seen by many as a speculative, speculative store of value in a risky asset. So, you know, it can be bought and sold 24-7. There is no break time. It can be sold anywhere in the world 24-7. So there's a lot of activity. <laughs> Um, and so that's why some people may not like the swings that they see because of the fact that there's a lot of people in the world and a lot of people are trading Bitcoin in many different time zones, 24-7 every day. So, um, and also, um, Bitcoin can be shorted. So people can short sell Bitcoin. And for those that don't know what short sell is, it's essentially just selling shares that you don't own you know it's it's just essentially borrow shares from the 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 market and then the, you know uh believing that it's gonna go down in price you bet on it going down so you short sell it and of course because a lot of people can buy bitcoin on margin which means that they can buy it on a loan so say you have $1,000 in your, in your Bitcoin account, but you want to sell $10,000 worth. Well, you can't sell $10,000 because you only have $1,000, but you can borrow the nine from, from, from the exchange on margin, which you'll pay interest on. And then assuming you're going to be correct in your, in your um, trade, then you are profitable. But suppose, it, suppose you try to short sell it and it goes up more than you thought. Now you owe. Because you have to buy it because, you know, when you sell it short, you're essentially doing the opposite of, of regular trading. Regular trading is you buy high. Regular trading is you buy low, sell high. But shorting means that you buy high and you sell low. And so people have been burning up their accounts all around the world because 
of this. They haven't, they, they didn't time the market right. So now they get caught in a swing that's going opposite their trade. And now they also own, they own the, the, the interest from, from the uh, brokerage. So um, it's causing a lot of, you know, downward pressure on the price because of this, because of the uh, short sellers. And also, just like the stock market, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin market is emotional. Okay, so when when Bitcoin traders are hearing bad news out of China, or China's tracking cracking down on Bitcoin, oh, I gotta sell because I, you know, they're scared. Um, that also causes temporary downside disruptions. Um, and also, people forget that we have a Federal Reserve. <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand what the Fed is. Um, there's, a, there's a nice uh, documentary uh, out there, and it's, it's also a book. It's called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And I would encourage people to read that because it talks about what the Fed is and how it actually manipulates the stock market and it manipulates interest rates, which means it, it manipulates the value of the dollar. And because most of the world's assets are traded in in the in, in they're, they're priced in dollars, and we don't have a truly free market, there's going to be some uh, manipulation in 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 the stocks, and that spills over to um, the 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 crypto markets as well. So um, we have a bear market. Some people believe that. We have been in a crypto and a Bitcoin bear market since last year. And that's a bad thing for the long for the for the short term. But if you realize that we're not in a bull market going into a bear market, we're in a bear market about to go into another bull market. So that Absolutely. perspective actually is encouraging. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, yes, I think you mentioned a few minutes ago that. The Bitcoin all-time high was around sixty-six thousand. Um, now it's cut in half. It's about thirty-seven or thirty-eight thousand. Last time I checked, so it's about half. But in comparison to the U.S. dollar, um, Bitcoin is still up one hundred percent. It's up. It's up a hundred x. Where it was in 2017, which was only five years ago. So Bitcoin yeah. is up 100x just five years ago, and um, you can't say that about the U.S. dollar because President Nixon, what a wonderful president he was, right? In 1971, he took the U.S. off the gold standard, so he divorced the U.S. dollar from the backing of gold, and so. Since then, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury has had unrestrained uh, power to create money out of thin air. And that has devalued the dollar. That has, mm -hmm. that has brought the pur purchasing power of the U.S. dollar down. And in terms, of in terms of what you can buy with your dollars, since 1971, when the dollar was divorced from gold, the U.S. dollar has lost 82% as measured by the Consumer Price Index. So in other words, since 
One, you and I have been paying 82% more for our groceries and for our, you know, basic necessities of life because we have to, because the U.S. has said right now, legally, the U.S. dollar is the only legal tender. Um, of course, that's not in the Constitution, but that's another, <laughs> that's another discussion. But the Federal Reserve has, you know, in the Congress has, has said that the, um, the, the, the dollar is the legal tender of, of, the, of the country. And so therefore, we can only use um, the dollars to buy groceries at the store um, and, and stuff like that. Of course, it's changing a little bit because you know banks are starting to accept Bitcoins and stuff like that, and some stores are accepting it. But, but all in all, um, everything is priced in dollars, but the dollar has lost 82%. So it's so if you want to if you want to if people are thinking well I think it's more comfortable to stay with the status quo and only have dollars, well you you've just lost eighty two percent of your savings since nineteen seventy one. Whereas if you had a little bit in Bitcoin since five years ago, you would be up a hundred x. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just a couple more points. Um, the dollar in all paper money, all paper currencies are inflationary, which means that they're, they're not fixed. You can, if you, you know, if the, if the Congress allows it, the, the Treasury and the Fed can print unlimited amounts of money. But that devalues every dollar out there. Mm -hmm. And so it, it robs the, 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 the grandmas and the elderly, who, those aren't fixed incomes, it robs them of their purchasing power. And it's kind of like an, it's kind of like a, a inflation tax if you if you think about it. Uh, it's a hidden tax, so it's subtle. People don't realize that they're being taxed, but they are. Um, and um, you know, all retirement plans that I know about, most retirement plans are denominated in dollars or in paper money. And so the uh, the, the these these um these retirement accounts you know if you say you have say you're about to retire um you were going to retire in 1971 and then you've you've lived on since 1971 in in this year your retirement savings would have been gutted by 82% that's highway that's theft <laughs> that is theft but see, those are the people who think, well, you know, I'll just keep my money in dollars, my savings in dollars, and I'll be fine because it's, you know, I don't want to be bothered with learning a new, a new system, you know. But you're robbing yourself, you know, by by staying out of Bitcoin, and so, um, and and there is, um, so that's that that's that's the bad side of it. In both, and if you if you judge, if you judge paper money by what happened in Zimbabwe, the Zimbabwe dollar. Crashed the, the the German mark crashed. I mean, all paper money eventually dies. It, it it's worthless. Um, but because Bitcoin is capped and it's fixed, there'll never be more than twenty one million Bitcoin created. So it's not inflationary. It's actually deflationary, and it becomes more and more scarce. And you know. The more scarce something is, the more valuable it will become. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's another reason to be bullish on Bitcoin. You know, we, I'm, I'm a, you know, I like to be rational. I like to be, re, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be, um, you know, reasonable. But when you compare the benefits and the pluses to Bitcoin, it outweighs any of the any of the negativity uh, going for it. It outweighs any of the you know the the volatility right now, and also you know Mastercard and Visa are starting to get in on Bitcoin. Wall Street investment firms are starting to pour money into Bitcoin. Um, big banks are starting to little by little offer people the ability to park some Bitcoin at their bank because they want business. So they know it's it's on the horizon. Also, countries around the world are starting to accept Bitcoin as legal tender for their country. El Salvador, <laughs> you know, a, 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 you know, a, a weak third world country compared to the other Western countries around the world. But they've decided, look, it's in our financial interest to have a, a medium of exchange that is capped, that is not inflationary. And so mm -hmm. they are getting on board. Um, and also, um, I just heard today at the time of this recording that Arizona is considering adopting Bitcoin as legal tender in that state. Now, I don't know mm -hmm. how that's going to go because I know the federal government wants control of the money supply, mm -hmm. but they they but they might allow a basket of currencies. So they say, okay, we want the dollar, but we'll allow Bitcoin too. And that's right. still bullish. That is still good news for Bitcoin. Um, and then like we have some politicians in our country, the, currently the mayor of, of um, New York wants to be paid in, in, in uh, Bitcoin for their salary. You know, we got more and more sports stars being, you know, paid in Bitcoin now. And so another thing that may look like a negative is actually a positive. The U.S. government and some other governments around the world, they want to regulate it because they want to maintain investor and consumer protection standards. And right. so although, although, you know, libertarian in me doesn't want the government, <laughs> you know, like, you know, regulating anything that it doesn't have any business regulating. On the other hand, for those that are really new to the game and they're, they're new to this whole world of Bitcoin, the idea that the government will step in and, and, and offer them some protections for their investments, that is, that is a good sign. You know, that's, that's still bullish for Bitcoin. Um, and uh, it's going to build confidence that there'll be some, some protections against any fraud that they may suffer if, you know, from, from you know, um, whatever, whatever may happen. It's kind of like the FD, FDIC, you know, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. When you put your money in a bank, up to a certain amount, that bank will cover that deposit. So if the bank right. goes insolvent or whatever they'll liquidate their assets and pay you the amount that was protected by the FDIC. So at least you won't lose everything, right? right. And so the FDIC is uh, currently, um, it's, it's been reported that they are considering expanding their services 
to cover stable coins, which are just crypto coins that are linked to paper currencies. Like there's a stable coin called the USDC, which is the United States dollar coin. So it's just a crypto coin that is pegged to the United States dollar. So in other words, it's the same price as the dollar. Would be. Doesn't mm -hmm. It doesn't fluctuate, which is, which is uh, you know, you know, it doesn't, it will never grow more than it's valuable, you know? So in other words, if you get, if you, if you invest all your money in the USDC, uh, then you could never see any profit. You can never see any growth, but you haven't, you never see any loss either. So it's right. a stable coin. And that, that idea that the federal deposit insurance corporation will uh, cover stable coins, that is also bullish for crypto in general, because it'll, it'll be a gateway for investors to access more cryptocurrencies. Right. And plus, the U.S. government likes to tax, as we know, right? And so they don't want to get rid of Bitcoin entirely because they want to tax it and get tax revenue. So even though I don't like taxes, it's a good sign that, that, that the governments acknowledge that Bitcoin is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And they, and they, instead of fighting, instead of wasting resources fighting against Bitcoin, they'll just try to keep it here, but, you know, tax the, the, the you know, tax the growth. It's kind of like if you, if you buy, you know, Amazon at, at $500 a share, and then it goes up to $1,000 a share. If you sell it at the thousand, you're going to get something that's called capital gains tax. So they want to do something like that for Bitcoin, which I don't like, but it, it, it's it's bullish in the sense that that they would rather have Bitcoin stick around so they can make some tax money off it than completely outlaw it when they couldn't make any tax money. Off it. So that's another sign, you know, that it's here to stay, uh, despite what politicians like U.S. Senator Liz Warren wants to say. Bitcoin is here to stay. Uh, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> and so, uh, and then of course, just uh, another reason to be bullish on Bitcoin is that some data has shown that Bitcoin exchanges, because Bitcoin exchanges like Coinbase and, and Gemini, they have reserves on their exchanges. So in other words, they have, they have data on how many people actually have um, crypto on their on their exchanges okay and that um, that that data shows that 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 exchange number is plummeting it's going down and actually that's that implies a net amount of Bitcoin is being withdrawn from these exchanges and this is this tends to be bullish because it signals that investors are accumulating um, for the purpose of selling no, I'm sorry. The, the, the investors are, are accumulating their Bitcoin for holding, for holding, not for selling, but for holding, as opposed to keeping it on exchanges for the purpose of selling it for paper currencies. Because, you know, that's right. what an exchange is. You exchange Bitcoin for paper currencies or vice versa. But when, but when people are taking their money off exchanges, then no selling is taking place. They're holding, right. which means that's good for the for the for prospects of Bitcoin going up further in value, um, and also um, every and, and another important thing to keep in mind 
because right now at the time of this recording is 2022. But in two years, Bitcoin is going to experience its fourth having event. So let me, you know, what is that? <laughs> what is a having event? Well, um, every four years, the amount of Bitcoin awarded to miners, Bitcoin miners, uh, is reduced by half until there's no more Bitcoin to be released for public circulation. And the more scarce it becomes, the more valuable it becomes. Uh, it's kind of like having a, a, a very rare uh, Babe Ruth baseball card which only has a certain amount of cards left in circulation. The more those cards get removed from circulation, the cards that are left are become very valuable indeed. And so, you know, every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that is released for circulation is cut in half. Three years, there's been three halving events already. And, and every time Bitcoin has has had that having event where the amount of, of Bitcoin released for circulation is cut in half, Bitcoin has soared anywhere from 2,000% to 8,000%. And so these having events are very bullish for the value of, of Bitcoin. Um, and uh, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be created. As as of now, as of the time of this recording, there is over 90% of Bitcoin in circulation. Over 90%. And it's only been out since 2009. So there's, there's, um, there's, there's one more having event. Or the, I shouldn't say one more. There's, there's several more. But, but the next having event is in 2024, two years from now. And there's over 18 million um, Bitcoin in circulation. So there's, there's only 3 million left to be released. And so that is, so every four years, every four years, Bitcoin becomes more scarce and more scarce and more scarce. And it becomes more valuable as well. So if you're holding crypto for the long term, you know, for, I'm not talking about day trading it or swing trading it, but if you hold it for months and years on end, because of these having events, you're going to you're going to see anywhere from two thousand to eight thousand percent increase in the value of your savings, and that's just incredible. That's just you know, it, it's 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 foolish to ignore Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, um, and so. The early bird gets the worm. The early bird gets the worm, as they say. And some experts looking at the charts and looking at the history of how Bitcoin has moved in the markets, some are suggesting that in the next few years, Bitcoin will hit $100,000 per coin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, you don't have to buy an entire Bitcoin. Like some people say, well, how do you, how do you buy it if it's so expensive? Well, it's kind of like buying slices of pizza. You know, if you can't afford the, to buy the entire pizza, you buy a slice of that pizza. And that's how that's how it works. So people don't need to get overwhelmed with, oh, I can't afford to invest in Bitcoin. Yes, you can. You could take a hundred dollars of 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 you know paper money and exchange that for a hundred dollars 
in Bitcoin. And then in five years, that $100, if you just kept it in paper money, that will have dropped, you know, uh, 10% or more, perhaps uh, 20% or more in value, depending on how fast the Federal Reserve prints money. But your Bitcoin will have gained 2,000% in value. Uh, that's and that's being conservative. That's being conservative. So, um, the, you know, you definitely can, you want to consider your finances. What's your situation now? You know, if you're married, talk to your spouse. Obviously, it needs to be a joint idea, a joint venture. But you know, you really need con to consider putting some of your savings, not, not a lot, but some, into Bitcoin and just parking it there and letting it ride. Um, you want to sell, you want to sell high, but you want to buy low. And the, you know, it did in 2017. It cracked 20,000. So it went up too fast, too quickly, too strong back in 2017. This is when, this is, was before institutional money was behind Bitcoin. This was before Wall Street was looking at Bitcoin, but uh, it cracked below 20,000. But then those that saw the writing on the wall, they got in during that dip. They got in at around 15,000, around 12,000. And now, even though Bitcoin is, is, is not as high as 66,000 as it was, it's not as high as the all-time high, but even at 38,000, if you invested a little bit of your money when it was 12,000, you did, you know, you see that growth, um, and so they are tripled, they doubled, tripled, quadrupled their investments. Um, so the fundamentals for Bitcoin are sound for the long term, but the fundamentals of the U.S. dollar and other paper currencies are not sound for the long term. The purchasing power of the dollar or other or these other paper paper currencies are falling over time because of inflation, and more and more people will start to realize that they will not protect their wealth if they if they have all of their retirement savings in, 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 in dollar bills, they're going to start looking to Bitcoin as a place to preserve their wealth and, and to increase their wealth. And last but not least, again, Bitcoin offers monetary freedom that, that uh, in preservation of wealth, it offers monetary freedom and long-term preservation of wealth that paper currencies and not even gold or silver can offer at the same at the same extent. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I think uh, the point that I would take, yeah, like don't let the the dip in the market scare you. You should uh, see that as a sign of encouragement that you know now is your time to jump in and mm -hmm. um, get some of your money in there and hold on to it and Just see if some. this can you know explode further because it will. I mean, and again, it's not necessarily investing in it so that you can hit a million dollars, but it's that right. parking it in there so that it's not going to lose money. You're going to continue to grow it. Just another revenue source for you to, to mm -hmm. put your money in. Um, like it won't lose value is my main reason that I would. I mean, it'll lose it momentarily, like but yeah, it'll always bounce back. And yeah. So, you know, Bitcoin, it's the mainstay. It's uh, the old money, if you will, at this point. So um, kind of the next question that we had was, you know, all the hotness in the crypto world today seems to be NFTs. So can, do you know what NFTs are? And can you explain how on earth they're a thing? 
Yeah, so I, I, I will be completely transparent in that NFTs are still relatively new to me as well uh, because they are they're not as old as Bitcoin. Right. So, you know, and, you know, I'm um, still trying to keep up with all these different cryptocurrencies that are coming. So now we get NFTs, but I have, I have, but they are uh, interesting. And so there's a lot of uh, interesting history about the idea of why NFTs even came about, you know, and, and NFT just stands for non fungible token, non fungible token. So in a nutshell, a non fungible token is a is a unique collectible crypto asset that has been around as early as 2012. Oh. And it can be used. Of course, it was around back then, but it wasn't as popular um, among, you know, the populace, you know, a few people knew about it, but it wasn't as popularized as it is now, because now we got, you know, singers and, and, and music stars talking about it. So now it's more popularized, mm -hmm. but uh, they can, so a, a non-fungible token can be used to represent or virtually represent any type of real or intangible item, including artwork, uh, music, a video game, um, you know, virtual uh, items within a video game, like skins or, or virtual avatars, uh, digital trading, uh, digital trading cards as well. Also, um, could represent video footage of iconic moments from sporting events, mm -hmm. and so much more. Uh, that's just a few of the things that it can um, represent virtually. Uh, thanks to the advent of advent of blockchain blockchain technology, gamers and collectors can become the immutable, and that just means unchangeable owners of in-game items and other unique assets, as well as make money from them. So people can, you know, they can buy these NFTs, but they can also turn around and sell them as well. And they can create their own NFT and uh, sell that as well. So people are making money from them, um, just as people are making money with Bitcoin as well. Um, and, and, and a non-fungible token, why does it have value? You know, why does Bitcoin have value? Why does the US dollar, why did that used to have value? <laughs> uh, because people wanted it. People want it. Something that people want has value. It's just that simple. Um, and so like all assets, supply and demand are the key market drivers for price. And because NFTs are scarce, and they're in high demand because they're being popularized by famous rappers and singers, you know, in, in the video game, uh, in the, the video game world is, is interested in them, that there's a high demand for them among young people. And so that will drive the, the, the value of these, these NFTs up. And so um, a lot of people are prepared to pay a lot of money for them. Because they see that that there's benefits to owning an NFT. For example, um, one investor he paid over two hundred thousand dollars 
for a segment of a digital Monaco racing track in the F1 Delta time game. And I don't know what that means, but, that, but video gamers, you know, and, and any parents listening to this, their, their kids, if they're into video games, they probably have heard of the F1 Delta time game. And so one, one, one guy uh, paid uh, for a segment of this digital racing track and this represented a piece of the of the track allowing this owner to receive 5% dividends which is residual passive income from all future races that are taking place on this game including entry ticket fees so you know like that is still hard to kind of comprehend even for me but if this person believes that their their one time um their one time investment is going to pay them dividends for, for for life so this is what people find very fascinating about non-fungible tokens they are also indestructible because all the data uh is stored on the blockchain via smart contracts uh and each token cannot be destroyed or removed or replicated. Each non-fungible token is unique to the owner. And um, so they can actually, and gamers and, and collectors can actually possess their own non-fungible tokens, not the companies that create them. So in, for example, if you, if you buy uh, music from iTunes, from an iTunes store, um, users don't actually own what they're buying they just purchase the license to the music mm. but not it's not this it's not that way with non-fungible tokens the owner owns that token right. not the license to use that token and also the the, uh, the these non-fungible tokens they're verifiable so another ben benefit of storing um historical ownership data on the blockchain uh, items such as digital artwork or music can be traced back to the original creator, which allows pieces to be authenticated without the need of third-party verification. People can create and sell their own NFT artwork. And I saw some of the, I, 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 took, a, I took a browse at some of these websites, and it's amazing some of these, these digital trading cards that people uh, can can buy and it's like you know you think of pokemon or these you know these playing cards that are physical items right yeah now think about that in the virtual world it's just no, it, I mean, you it know, seems it's like kind a of genius limitless. idea especially when you talk about trading card games are huge you know they got the hearthstone which is like a world of warcraft kind of spinoff pokemon obviously and yeah i mean you know our sons play pokemon and they get the little digital game so yeah i mean in a world in a weird 2022 world it makes sense <laughs> it just i guess if you're an older folks you're like how do you own a picture online that you didn't create and you're like i don't know so how do people actually <laughs> buy this how do they get into if you know that how do they get into buying nfts or because i mean you can't just jump on coinbase so far as i know and buy an nft no 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 you can't there are um there's a couple of sites I have here that I could give, but in, in, in a nutshell, um, 
the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, are Ethereum-based. So in other words, the, okay. the, the blockchain that under... Because you know, there's a blockchain for Bitcoin, there's a blockchain for, for all these other di different cryptocurrencies as well. And remember, blockchain is just a ledger. So right. there's a ledger for Ethereum, there's a ledger for a Bitcoin. And so the ledger, the blockchain that underlies Ethereum is what makes possible the purchase of non-fungible tokens. So in other words, you have to go through Ethereum in order to buy a non-fungible token. And you can exchange Bitcoin for Ethereum on one of these right. main webs, these main US-based exchanges, get your Ethereum, then go to go to uh, one of these websites that you can exchange that for your non-fungible token. Um, so for example, you, you know, kids, uh, young people, and even uh, older, older people who are, who are getting into uh, non-fungible token tokens, they can go to makers, makerplace.com, makersplace.com, foundation.app, and uh, a website called opensea.io. Those are just, three websites where you could buy and sell non-fungible tokens okay yeah that's pretty interesting uh it's a it's a strange new world yes. <laughs> out there even from the the traditional bitcoin like sci-fi movie days. just listen to all this <laughs> but i mean it seems and again it all seems goofy until yeah you make that two hundred thousand dollars off a of video game and um you know this is not terribly new i mean the, i guess the idea of blockchain is new but i remember there were video games years ago as long as there's been online where you could buy parcels of land in a video game and it was real currency that you had to pay for you know and the the better the piece of land the more expensive it was so yeah now i guess as far as you know a way for you to own something that other people are digitally using and i didn't realize that they were earning interest and in, uh, dividends on these so yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's really cool. I mean, I I want to go check out these uh, these websites <laughs> and buy myself a little gorilla a, JPEG. A, and it's, it, people are seeing them as investment vehicles. You know, it's like you know, for children, for for young people, they'll they'll get intrigued with the the art of it or the or the video game, you know, spec spectacle of it. But for investors, all we care about is how do we get a return. You know, and oh, yeah. so for, for, for me, like, I'm not so much interested in like, you know, um, the, the music or the, the, the artwork per se, but if I know the traffic is going to these non-fungible tokens, traffic can mean profit, you know? Right. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that as long as you're not greedy and you don't worship the money, God is not against profit. You know, no. um, and so if we can see non-fungible tokens as just another way to park your some of your, your your wealth that you want to preserve or grow over time, this could be an area. But again, not, not to overwhelm people, they don't need to look at NFTs, you know, until they get a little bit more used to it. But, you know, um, yeah, I would definitely say don't start at NFTs. I would yes, say start yes. at Coinbase and Bitcoin. And then uh, as you get comfortable, you can go down that rabbit hole of uh, the, the crazy cryptocurrency world and NFTs. And, uh, but like you, I mean, like you said, I mean, 
the cat's out of the bag. It's here. It makes people money. It's real because it exists and people want it. So you can either fight against it and be like the curmudgeon in the corner. That's like, ah, I'm investing in silver and which is fine. Or you could get on, you know, with what today offers and that's cryptocurrency and Bitcoin NFTs and because it's not going away. And now is actually kind of a perfect time. You know, it's it's a perfect time for the market to dip and you to, you know, buy in at a a little bit lower because Bitcoin's, you know, especially now when you talk about all the markets crashing, and the market crashing to 38,000 is still almost double its previous all time high. So, I mean, if that's the way a crash works, that's a pretty good crash. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, in and my remember, book, so. what I, remember what I said earlier too, that, that compared to just keeping our savings in US dollars, we have lost 82% of the value of our dollars since 1971. And yeah. we're only losing more every day as the yeah, they're Fed. printing money faster than right. they ever have that's right so. that's right they just spent two they they just spent uh i shouldn't say two i think maybe six or seven trillion dollars to fight this pandemic with all the bailouts for the cities and and just the you know like where'd they get the money because the, the dollar isn't backed by gold anymore so now it's being devalued the more is printed and so you know, you can't do that with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is capped. So, you know, to to, to just stay put is is costly. You know, we gotta we gotta look at how do we we can't just we can't stop the Fed. We can't you know we we don't have the power to stop them from printing money out of thin air, but we can say okay, what can we do with the with the dollars that we have, or at least some of the dollars that we have, to try to preserve some of the wealth that we have worked so hard before. <laughs> no, I agree. And, you know, it's kind of like with anything, right? You know, the question's always like, hey, you know, when's the best time to start? And like with anything, the best time to start is always now, <laughs> you know, it's always now. So you can keep putting it off and um, it might just be to your own demise uh, later on down the road. You know, you could be me looking at $700 Bitcoin going, ah, I missed the boat, you know, mm-hmm. and could have been uh, living the lap of luxury right now, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just because we're like Christian podcast, like speaking just to Christians, why would it be important for Christians to be concerned about this, to be interested in it? Um, and I know you kind of spoke about um, our heart should not be about greed and we should be good uh, stewards of our money. So I was kind of thinking maybe along those lines, Um I guess for an answer for Christians, if it's an opportunity to be wise with your money. Um, well, absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, why should people who claim to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus be concerned with wealth preservation? Why should we, why should we be concerned with Bitcoin? Um, well, it, you know, Christians are, are, are still human beings like <laughs> non-Christians, right? And so I would say that the same reasons that we talked about earlier, that non-Christians should be concerned and interested about Bitcoin, would also apply to Christians as well, because Christians also have to live in, in you know in this world. We have to shop in this world. We have to pay bills in this world, and so this is uh, this is important on a 
physical material level, but then as believers in Jesus, as, as those that, you know, claim that Christ is our Lord and our Savior and our Master, we have another level that applies to us as well, you know. Uh, and we look to the, the Bible as the Word of God, as the written Word of our Creator. And as such, the Bible is our blueprint for all that pertains to this life and in the next. But we deal with what we have now. So we are living this life now. So we look to God's word for guidance as to what do we do with the life you've given us now? Because mm -hmm. the Bible prepares us for, for eternity, but it also is a, as, as the Psalm says that um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So the Bible can tell us what do we do now in the days that we live. And it speaks on, um, you know, people might be shocked to hear this, but the Bible, you know, Jesus specifically, he spoke more on relationships and being a good steward than he did about hell and heaven. And so that, you know, people might be shocked, but the Bible is a very practical book. Um, and actually, I want to quote uh, from Maximus from the, uh, the movie Gladiator. <laughs> uh, he said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I agree with that statement. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And, script and, and in scripture, Jesus asked this question, you know, to his um, disciples. If you're not faithful in that which is least, how will you be faithful in more? And, um, you know, if you're not faithful in the things in this present world, how would you even think you're going to be faithful in the things in the next world? You know, so um, Jesus speaks about, uh, he actually, he, he, he uses the word trading specifically uses that word trading and in the and in the parable of the talents which is uh in matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 29 and also found in luke 19 verses 12 to 26 of the new testament um jesus specifically and clearly mentions the idea of trading and and so there's two types of trading in the world there's short-term trading you know, like the day traders or the those that hold a uh, a stock for maybe a, a week or a month, a few months at a time, that's short-term trading. And then there's also another form of trading that is longer term. And that's what we call investing. That's when people hold their position in a stock or in Bitcoin for years at a time. That's what that's the long-term trading but trading is there it's in the bible <laughs> it's in you know most people would be shocked but trading is in the bible and so jesus considers this a very important thing that we need to be uh in tuned about as christians and so in that parable i won't read it but you your listeners can look you know hopefully we got some christians who are you know uh going to be opening their bible and, and searching the scriptures as i as i talk uh, about this but jesus um he 
he rebuked. There's three people in, in that story that he told. And, you know, two of them were faithful in trading and in increasing the, the talents that they, were be, that they were given. But then one parked his money and was too scared to invest it. He was too scared to trade it. And Jesus rebuked that man for being scared and for doing nothing with what he was given. And so trading or, or investing is a command. It's not an option. That's what that parable was teaching us, that investing is not an option. It's a command. We're expected to, to increase what God has given us. We're not, we're not called to lose what God has given us. We're called to be uh, working diligently to, to make it double and, and, and to make it grow over time. Uh, and so ignorance is not bliss. And also 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And that word stewards is just the word for manager. So uh, the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Corinthians is telling us that we are called to be good managers of God's resources. Because you and I believe that God is the creator. He's the one that owns, he's the one that owns it all, right? So we don't actually own anything. He does give us in his grace, he does give us things to manage, you know? So how faithful are we being with the things he's given us to manage? Specifically in this context about our finances. How faithful are we being in our finances? Are we trading? Right, I would say too, like uh you know, obviously, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. So on one far extreme, that greed and that love of money. But on the other end, like the parable, of the talent squandering what God's given you can also be a sin. So yeah, and I think that's somewhere where Bitcoin and these cryptos have gotten, you know, sort of derided a little bit where people are like, ah, oh, it's just gambling your money away. So people have this idea that, well, if you're invested in crypto, you're squandering what God's given you, you're gambling. And I don't think that's the case anymore. That was an idea people had years ago, but that ship has sailed. So I think it's important to know, yeah, you can fall in love with money and it become an idol to where you're sitting, but you can also, you know, not that Christians are necessarily should be striving all day to be rich and successful, but we live and breathe and, you know, we share the gospel and spread the word and provide for widows and orphans with money, you know, and um, not everybody's called to be Donald Trump rich or anything, but you shouldn't also be just wasting your money and letting it fall away to where you don't do any good with it. And I think this falls in line with that, where being a good steward, investing, growing, and this is certainly a great avenue for that in this world we live in. Yeah, I think definitely think you're right on that. Exactly. And, you know, we're not, you know, it's like, it's like anything. I mean, a knife could be sinful if you use it in the wrong way, you know, but a knife or TV or computer in and of itself is just a, an object. It's not sinful in and of itself. And money itself is, is the same thing. It's not sinful in and of itself. It's what people do with that money. So if they hoard it, that becomes sin. But if they, they realize, hey, the Bible's telling us that, that money is a tool to do God's work in this world of of you know physical things and material things. So if we look at it as as that, 
that it's a tool that God uses for us to do ministry that, you know, in, in the end glorifies him and makes him known, then we have to, we have to, we have to decide, are we going to, are we going to uh, lose money or we, are, are we going to let our money gain in value? Because there's no neutral ground because of the way the fed is manipulating the money supply by turning on the printing presses. If you just do nothing, your money will lose in value because it, it, there's no neutrality. So you either will be, you know, faithful and looking at your finances as a tool to do ministry, or you will look at it as well. It's you know it's out of my control, and I'll just do nothing. Then you then that those tools are being taken from you because your money is losing value, and then therefore you have less money to to buy. Bibles for, for countries who need them or to support a struggling missionary and so forth. Like that is, that's my, that ought to be everybody's motive, not to hoard it for myself, but more people to bless. Yeah, and believe absolutely. me, God will take, if God sees it, a Christian is hoarding it, he can take it like that, mm. you know, but he, I believe as a good father, he wants to trust us with wealth because he wants to see us be good managers of it because this is how we, this is part of our spiritual growth too. Because um, how someone handles money it's a char- is a character issue. You know, someone could have all the Bible knowledge they, 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 they can have. They can re- quote all the scriptures they, they can remember. But if they are poor mm. in their finances, that is a character issue. And that is a sign of spiritual immaturity. So mm-hmm. this is one of the ways that God will test, our, test us in the sense of, hey, are you going to mature? If I give you this, are you gonna, is it going to help you mature spiritually or are you going to show yourself immature with it? So that, that's important. And, you know, Solomon, um, he, he was the wealthiest person in, in the world, and he told us how to invest clearly. He said, Ecclesiastes 11 Verses one and two, it says, cast thy bread upon the waters, but you shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what chaos shall be upon the earth. So he's teaching the principle that cast your, you know, scatter, cast your your bread, your portions, uh, you know, into seven or eight baskets, you know, because you don't know what type of financial chaos is coming, you know? And that goes back to what we said about not ha- hiding all your your crypto in one wallet or in one exchange. You have it in different locations because you don't know what type of chaos, you, you know, you may, you may suffer. So you want to be able to be truly diversified. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and I'm not giving anybody financial advice. I know this program isn't either, but, for, for my own portfolio, I wouldn't put all my savings into Bitcoin, but I would have a, at least a portion of my overall portfolio in Bitcoin. I'd have some in precious metals, some gold or silver. I'd have some in Forex. Maybe I invest a little bit in the euro dollar um, or in the British pound, because sometimes those go up and the dollar falls. Sometimes the dollar goes up and they fall. You know, uh, and maybe some hold some real estate if I can get some land um, and then maybe have a little bit in some alternative coins like 
Ethereum and Litecoin and maybe some NFTs as well to be as truly scattered or, or diversified as you can be. I believe that's what that's what King Solomon was saying here to us. Um, and also he says in Proverbs 11.4, um, there is that scatters and yet increase increases. There is that scatters and yet increases, and there is that withholds more than is suitable, but it tends to poverty. Mm -hmm. So if you hoard, that's actually going to cause you to lose because of inflation. But if you scatter, you truly scatter, mm -hmm. then God sees that as faithfulness, and, and you will grow. You, you can protect your wealth and also grow it by truly taking the advice of Solomon. And so... You know, I would I would encourage people to, you know, to see this as a Bible issue. It's not just an economic for, for believers. This is a this is a um, part of our spiritual walk with Christ is being faithful as a manager over our finances, not putting our finances on autopilot, but being intentional about being faithful and saying, Lord. This is a tool. I want to reach more people with your love because when I go to heaven, there's not going to be anybody to reach because there's no lost people in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so we use the tools now, including our finances and our time to and our talents to reach people with the love of God because now is the time to do it. Um, and so again, if, if people want to get invested, if they want to get started in Bitcoin, um, I can I can get you ten dollars in extra Bitcoin if you just send me an email, JJ Mailbox 316 at protonmail.com. And I can also send you some information about how to get one of those offline wallets as well to truly diversify your, your crypto portfolio, uh, like a ledger or a treasure, one of those off offline uh, wallets as well. And um, I can get you started. So um, it's not as overwhelming as it sounds. But like uh, someone said earlier, I think um, the best time to start is now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's why we wanted to have you on. And we certainly appreciate you coming on because, you know, Bitcoin is not quite as um, scary or difficult you know, crypto is not that difficult to get started. It seems like it if you've never delved into that world, but um, we'll certainly have those links um, that you talked about so people can go find some of that information and reach out to you um, if they have questions and stuff like that. Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not going away. It's a great avenue for us. Um, you know, Christians can take advantage of it just like anybody else. Um, you know, that old moniker of it's, you know, just for drug dealers in the dark web, you know, that's, that's a tired old uh, yeah. trope that doesn't really exist. So we appreciate you coming on and kind of, you know, making it a little more easy for us to understand. And uh, hey, if I understood it, I think anybody could understand it. I felt like I might be listening to this and it might be way over my head, but you explained it very simply. And like you said, you used a lot of uh, like analogies or just things we could relate to. That was very helpful. So I think anybody, yeah, will benefit from it. <laughs> yeah, and and to, you know, to conclude, I just wanted to kind of, uh, 
you know, kind of speak on, on, uh, on the gospel, you know, on, on, because I think that mm-hmm. as believers, that is the, the, the prime, primary reason why we're here, you know, is, you know, God wants us to, you know, be, be good managers of, of our, uh, of our finances, but he also wants us to be good stewards of the gospel. Because once mm. you have received the gospel in your own life, it's it's kind of like, why would you keep it a secret, you know? And so mm. I just wanted to make an appeal to those who are listening, who you know maybe they're maybe they uh, believe in God or maybe they consider them, themselves religious, but um, you know, or maybe they don't have any desire for God at all. They just were listening in because they wanted to kind of get some more information about, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain. But I would encourage people to consider what Jesus said in Mark chapter eight, verse 36, where he, he asked the question, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Yes, it's wonderful to be able to, to be in the right investment, to be able to grow your wealth and, and preserve your wealth. But you can't take your wealth with you at the end of the day because 10 out of 10 people will die. <laughs> and so, you know, while it's nice to, 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 to be uh, in a good financial place on earth, but what do you do when your time is up? You know, the Bible is right. What it says about this life, about health, relationships, science and finances but it's also right about what it says about eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope people don't, you know, dismiss this. The Bible contains good news and bad news. First, the bad news. You know, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, you know, we are all trespassers against our creator, you know, in thought, word, and deed. Um, and, you know, we have all told a lie. We have, we have all, you know, uh, stolen something. We've all, you know, uh, maybe disobeyed our parents or, or said, said something, you know, uh, evil out of our mouths. You know, um, the Bible says that that death itself, the reason why people die, is proof that God takes sin seriously, because the Bible says that death is the penalty for sin. So every your people that die is proof that they're a sinner. The fact that you and I are going to physically die one day uh, is proof that we've sinned against our Creator. Um, and you know, not only is physical death what we have to look forward to, the Bible says that that the the penalty for sin is eternal death or eternal uh, eternal judgment in a place called hell uh, or the lake of fire um and that's god's eternal prison for sinners and that's our destiny if we do nothing with with our guilt (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if we acknowledge our guilt and we're willing to be humble god has good news for for you um the good news is that god's tent is big enough for you it doesn't matter where you came from, whether you're religious background or you're non-religious. God's tent is big enough for you. God created you. Um, and he created you for 
a relationship with you. Now, God's God's willing to forgive all that, all those that uh, have sinned against His law, against Him, and uh, there's nobody on earth that has not sinned. But God is willing to forgive all, 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 all of those people, everyone, because of what Jesus willingly died on the cross for. He died to pay the penalty for our sin in full. On the cross, He said, "It is finished," and that meant paid in full. So your sin debt, my sin debt, although we deserve to die and be separated from God, Jesus paid that death in full. He was separated from God. He died for, for, for you on the cross. And then three days later, he rose again. He didn't stay dead. He defeated death. And he now, as the Savior, sitting at the right hand of the Father, in heaven, he offers forgiveness to all those who will repent. That's just, that's an old word that we, most people don't use anymore, but that word just means turn, it has a change of mind, change your mind about, about your, your condition before God. You have to agree with God that you have not obeyed his commandments, that you have sinned against him, thought, word, and deed, and you need to turn to him in repentance and then put your trust in his son jesus christ for for your salvation i mean many people may be listening to this and say well i'm a i'm a good person already i don't i don't need to be into be into christianity i don't need to to do all that i'm a good person i'm religious i'm you know maybe you're, you're listening and you're, you're you're muslim or you're hindu or you're you're, you're a conservative jew or what have you. But being religious is not the requirement to get to heaven. Uh, the requirement to get to heaven is perfection. And last time I checked, no religion offers perfection. <laughs> and so nobody can be morally as perfect as Jesus Christ was. God's standard for heaven is perfection. God's standard for heaven is his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's God's standard. And, uh, you know, and the bad news is that all of us fall short of that standard. Um, it's too high for us to meet because we've already sinned against God. Um, and, and, you know, and, you know, it's like if you and I picked up a rock and we both decided to throw the rock towards the moon, <laughs> you may throw the rock further than me, right? But both of us are going to miss the moon. It's too far for us to reach. We couldn't reach heaven, so God came down to earth. To, re to reach us and to rescue us. And he did it through his son, Jesus. So instead of trying to stick to your pride and trying to compete with Jesus, just humble yourself. Stop trying to compete with, with Jesus and accept him as your, your savior. Commit to him as Lord and savior. And God will impute, which means he will give to your sinful account the, the righteousness of his son, Jesus, and he'll take your sin away. So it's like a swap. God takes your sin and he gives you, he gives you his son. Don't try to earn God's forgiveness. He can't be bribed. You'll end up in hell trying. Just humbly repent. Simply put your trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And God's free gift of eternal forgiveness is yours. And I hope you'll, you'll make peace with God through Jesus even right now.
because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I share all this because I love you. And I share you, I share this out of out of respect. And because I care about where you are gonna spend eternity. And um, so I hope you'll 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 make peace with God today. And also, if you are a believer, again, if you need some encouragement or equipping to be more intentional about about sharing this good news with people, uh, maybe you feel like ah, I'm just I'm not a good speaker or I don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a good speaker, but you do need some encouragement, and you do need you do you need to to be available. And um, I wrote a book actually on evangelism. It's called Evangelism's Flip Side. And it's just a very easy read. It's about 96 pages, 97 pages. And it's just story after story of how if you give God your ability, it's amazing. I'm sorry, if you give God your availability, <laughs> if you give God your availability, it's amazing the things he will do through you. And so my book was written just to encourage the body of Christ. There's nothing to fear. Go out there and let your love for God and your love for people um, lead you to do great things if, with God and, through, and, and um, for God. Amen? Absolutely. And it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and & Nobles, and uh, tons of other bookstores. You can just, uh, but it's easiest to get it on Amazon. I know I don't want to make Jeff Bezos any more money, but it's easier no, to get it. We'll have those links to your book down in our show notes <laughs> as well, so people can go find that there. But um, do you have any last thoughts on this, honey, before we end this? Um, we don't have any more questions or anything. I I like how it went. I thought we got a lot of things answered, and it didn't feel overwhelming, really. I think it it's explained the way you had it all in order or outline, <laughs> you know, I thought it went really well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, it's always good to end any episode with the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, that's never a bad way to, to end the show. <laughs> so we appreciate you doing that. And um, like I said, we'll definitely have all your stuff linked so people can find you. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk. We certainly appreciate you coming on and, um, Hope we can uh, ride that Bitcoin bull together. <laughs> Amen. Yes, we'll ride it together higher to the glory of God. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you guys again. Um, I, I had fun and I hope you guys did too. And uh, yeah, God willing, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good Thanks night. Again. You too. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 
21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.